There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Mike Gelfand, Tevin Piven, and Andy Brant Bernard. We're all here, ladies and gentlemen. Gelfand has a big. What do you, is it? A big reveal? What do you have? No, I'm just. I'm just doing product placement today, and I'm making a few oh, bucks product. on the side. So I've, okay. I've got, of course, my my. This is this is my. Uh, you you have sometimes questioned this. It's it's my Coca-Cola Zero bottle with yeah. with uh, of course vodka in it. <laughs> a little vodka. Hey, Bernard, let me just tell right. you something. I never did try. You know, I, I, in all those years we went to Vegas, I think maybe you and I were the only ones who were always sober. Oh, that was, except for the first couple of years I was joining the crowd. But oh, yeah. for, the last, for the last 12 years of it, I, yeah, I, was, I was behaving. There's yeah. no question about it. God, those were fun, those trips to Vegas. You can't do those anymore because everybody gets sued now. Sued for what? If anything happens, I mean, there there are things that happen. The one like when that woman fell down the stairway in in Vegas, fell oh, yes. all the way, and mm-hmm. it was like a marble stair staircase. Yeah. <laughs> if that happened today, she'd walk away with a couple of million dollars. Oh yeah, because it's well, they leave out the part where she was just at the bar by herself drinking, and you guys were all somewhere <laughs> oh, yeah. else. But it's uh, you know, oh, yeah. oh, you know, Tom Bernard's fan listener was out there on a trip and fell down the stairs and broke her leg. Well, and a lot of the listeners, it wasn't so much that they were drinking at the hotel bar; they were drinking at the airport bar. Yeah, oh, you got that. <laughs> they started right. early. You got that. How about right. the woman with the rainbow puke? Yeah. I do remember that. Yes, she'd been drinking some kind of exotic uh, cocktail, and uh, when she so she, when she threw up at five in the morning, um, it it looked like she was bleeding, but of course it was just the cocktail. Yeah, I could understand. You know, one of my favorite things about the trips out there, I had a, a great friend's name is last name is Getz, right? Mm-hmm. So. We're going to share a room at, at a hotel down in uh, Orlando for the golf show. This was for the golf show back in the day. It's a PGA show, I guess it was called back in the day. And we go in <clears throat> and we check into the hotel and the woman behind the counter is all nervous. She's like, I, uh, you know, she's trying to focus and she just can't get focused. And I'm going to myself, what is wrong with her? She seems very, very nervous. The room was booked under both of our names, mm-hmm. so the room was booked under Bernard Getz. You remember Bernard <laughs> Getz, Getz, don't you? The subway <laughs> guy. How many people did he kill? I, I don't remember. <laughs> did he kill a bunch of people, or was he just sort of shooting at random? I can't he was remember. Doing a bunch of, 
She was nervous as hell because she thought I was Bernard Getz, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whoops. There's a name from the past, but uh, I think most of us, well, you and I certainly remember it very well. Yeah, the young two guys probably. You, you yeah. probably want to look it up. And Matter of fact, this I wouldn't a, mind hearing whatever happened to Bernard Getz. Yeah, the, it looks like a 1984 New York City subway shooting yep. on December 22nd. Uh, injured four using a Smith & Wesson Model 38. Mm. And then Bernie showed up and put an end to it, right? Uh, oh, Bernie's the one who shot yeah, horses. Who put an end people. to it? Because that was a big, <clears throat> a big story, too. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. It was a big story. Yeah, this poor sure. woman. That uh, doesn't happen on the subway much anymore. I, I know that because I read a story, uh, Just I think maybe it was yesterday, the day before, uh, the um, the subway detectives are working hard to try to figure out whose arm they found on uh, on oh. a subway railing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough road to hoe right there. Yeah, man. I mean we we complain about the Green Line. The Green Line. God, I've never been on a a train uh, going through the city of Minneapolis. I've never even been on one. I haven't either. It's it's not a remarkable experience. It's like I feel like going to New York and you ride the subway and it's cool because yeah. it's got a lot of history. But yeah, yep. the transit system here in Minneapolis—I mean, it'll get you from point A to point B, but there's nothing cool about it, I guess. I, I worry got... about those subways um, ever since I was on the BART in San Francisco. Sure. And um, and it, it was brand new at the time. I was out in Oakland covering baseball, and uh, so I thought well, this would be great to take the BART. Well, it stalled, like, under the port. Oh, yeah, under the ocean. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> so there we are <laughs> on the floor of the ocean, basically. And there's dripping coming, you know, from, from up oh. top, yeah. Oh. And, of course, all we hear is, well, we're going to have a slight delay, you know, that one. A slight delay? Yeah, so we were there for about 45 minutes. Bay Area Rapid Transit, the BART. Yep. No question about it. Yeah, that's that would not be comfort. I would not be comfortably stopped under the ocean with water coming in through the top of the. Yeah, no, there's just the something about it, you know, that kind of triggers the anxiety. No doubt about it. Okay, Galfano, uh, I don't want to change the subject completely. Just jump in here quickly, but uh, baseball season preseason begins tomorrow night with yeah. the Minnesota Gophers taking on the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I have to get the line on that game. So what do you think? Uh, is this like an annual thing, or is this the start of a tradition? I, I See, I don't remember them doing it. Maybe they've done it before, but I don't remember them doing it before. But the only mm -hmm. problem I have is they are not spending any money on this team this year. Is this team going to be horrendous this year? Well, I, I saw that story. Uh, Polad was saying, nope, no more money. But I think right. I think that they're... What, they're, what they believe is that they've got such a solid team they don't need to, right? Well, Sonny Gray's gone. Let's go down the list of all the people that are gone yeah, now from last I, year's I know. Team. I'm not I, – I think p pitching is – because the problem here is we're going back to this concept of, well, the way you address pitching problems is through quantity. Yeah. I don't yeah. like that too much. I mean, the, it, the I division agree. is weak. They'll probably be just fine, but it'll probably just be like it was last year. I love baseball, though, Mike. I, I'm a huge – look, I love the Vikings, yeah. too. Not so much 
with the hockey and the basketball because they've never won anything since I was, I believe, 11 years old. It was the last time the the Minneapolis Lakers won a title. But, <laughs> that was uh, a while back. Nothing, and nothing against the sports. I, I like watching the sports. I just don't really have the teams have not been that good. No. But uh, it's it's difficult for, to watch the Twins just do nothing now. They have done absolutely nothing for the past 33 years. Uh, not much, no. It's uh, Minnesota me- mediocrity at its most mediocre. We're good at that, though. Minneapolis, well, Minnesota is really good at having mediocre teams. Hey, now, now the uh, what what is kind of exciting is that the Gopher basketball team is mediocre. Instead of really bad. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm kind right. of excited about that. There was no bigger Minnesota Gopher basketball fan than back in the day. I love the stadium. The stadium that that arena is magnificent. Mm-hmm. There's no question. As it's, it's tough. It's completely unlike any other auditorium I've ever been in. Yeah, it's also got the you know the, the constant threat of death too on the court. <laughs> it does because if you fall off, it's about oh, a three foot drop. Isn't it's it? bad, and you're going to hit something metal too. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with that idea? Uh, some sadist, I guess. Yeah, it's a terrible. I've practiced on that court, and it for probably the first. 20 minutes it's all you think about every time you're running around you're like i don't want to die for any loose balls because i don't want to fall off over the edge to my death how do you like the did i play basketball on that court intramural basketball yep and it's like being on a trampoline the the floor just sags and there are dead spots dead spots oh i hit a few of those dribbling (laughs) because i dribbled a lot yes I played in a, a pickup game there with Don Shelby. You know, Don Shelby is a phenomenal basketball player. Well, yeah, I've played with Shelby. You play with Shelby, so you know, he's a great shooter. Really, really good. Yeah. No, I played no with those uh, WCCO guys. You know, Shelby Shelby bought, bought uh, so nobody had to be shirts. You know, he, he bought uniforms. Like, so one team got to be red, the other one got to be yellow, you know. Sure. Shelby went all the way. I, um. Uh, yeah, I played. I played in the, the first. I think I played twice with those guys, but um, the first time I, I had the misfortune of being on the on the same team as Mike Max. Oh yeah, Mike likes to shoot. You you didn't even bother to go down uh, with the offense. <laughs> so I'm playing with these guys. You know, Mike Max. I mean, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But but he there is. were others who were pretty good, and and uh, so um, you know, I'm just like. Just hanging out, you know, on offense. I'm, ball goes to Max, that's it. So finally my dream came true. He missed a shot. And I'm, of course, always back, you know, a, a good distance away from the hoop. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. get hurt, right? I don't believe in defense. I don't believe at all. And in sure. offense, I never, go, I never go beyond the three-point line. So, but the ball bounces to me. I take a step back. I take the shot. I hit the shot. That was my one shot. Swish. Ooh, I like it. Maxie comes over to me, and he says, stop hogging the ball. After one? <laughs> that's, that's his definition of hogging the ball. One shot. You're <laughs> he might have been ball. kidding, but I don't think so. Mike is a, he's a, he's a pretty – he's got an edge to him. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Talented guy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you remember, is. of course – when there was bedlam in the streets and mm-hmm. they ran out of reporters 
So Maxie says, I'll go out there and I'll interview people. You know, there was, right. there was a discord, a civil disobedience. He goes out there. He's the best guy out there. Yeah. No, I have never had any problem with Mike. Mike and I have never really gotten along. I just, <laughs> he's from Gaylord, Minnesota, I believe. Well, yeah. Yep. Same as uh, one of our former colleagues. Yeah, that's exactly right. But so, you know, you got Gaylord, Minnesota, you got a small town Minnesotan mm-hmm. and a an inner city Minnesotan and me. And he just it's I it's not that yeah. I don't like him or anything like that. We just have absolutely zero in common. Sure. And I don't get along with either of you. Exactly. I mean that's just a given. <laughs> yeah, well, I right. just I tried to lock the door again today to so you couldn't get in, but it didn't work. Well, you know, my people are very good at picking locks. My people and eating them too. I actually, uh, Mike, I'll, you'll be very, very happy to know that Catherine and I went out to dinner the other night. We're not in Minnesota. We're out of state. Hmm? And as we're walking back to the hotel, there's a Palestine uh, march, Palestinian march in the street. Mm-hmm. Where? What is that? Explain that to me. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's everywhere, Tom. But the amazing thing, they were even shouting out about murder. I mean, they were not hmm. just chanting. They were talking about, like, harming people and murdering someone. Why would you do that? Can you get a permit for that? Yeah, do you get a permit to march <laughs> down the street threatening to murder people? Especially Is that a good when it's, idea? like, downtown Boca. Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, you go to Boca Raton, they probably wouldn't go over too no, huge down no, there. You can find not. a Jew in Boca. Yeah. I will tell you that. Yes, there's a few, um, yes. How did that, I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I just, I had never seen something like that in all my all my years. There were some marches up and down, you know, mm. for equal rights for all human beings and that kind of thing, but not something as so sharply focused on one small country in the Middle East mm. hating another small country in the Middle East. It's a mess. I, just, I still don't understand. Yes. Can't you kids just get along? Come on. little uh, pickup game. Let's go. Hey, uh, with my people, we can't even get along with each other. How are we going to get along with anyone else? <laughs> I should have Josh Arnold and see if you and Josh get along. No, we don't. Oh, you don't get along at all? No, there was that. They that, weren't that, together once. <laughs> no, we, oh, actually, that's right. Actually, I thought it was a lot of fun, to be honest with you. But I'm yeah, not sure Josh if he did. Well, he did. Josh got a Oh, yeah, he did, too. yeah. Yeah, we had a good time, yeah. I don't know. I still, to this day, do not understand where this whole conflict started. I mean, just all of a sudden it was boom right there. Yeah. What? I just don't really understand that. I don't get it. Uh, You know, uh, it's just a shaky premise all along on, on every side. You know, we own this country. No, we own this country. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I understand why we own California. We paid for it, right? Well, yeah, that's so, right. So there, we it's legitimate. You know, we 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 plunked down eight million, and it's ours. See, I like things better, like you know, Kinky Friedman and the Texas Jew Boys. They had a sense of humor about it. Yeah, but then Kinky ran for office. <laughs> and he just ruined right. the whole I thing. <laughs> I forgot about that. But, you know, that kind of, to have a sense of humor about who you are was so engaging for me. I really liked that, yeah. you know. Baruka Todd Onoy, what you doing in here, boy? 
What you doing in here, boy? I love it. No question about it. We need to get a sense of humor. Are we ever going to have a sense of humor again? I don't find anything funny about that. Well, I understand. Well, you just my question or life in general? No, I'm just being ironic. Well, you're being a pain in the ass. Irony is what dies at 9 a.m. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. So what else is new? Well, I I mentioned that um, that I have product placement today. Mm-hmm. This, of course, is a Target bag. Target bag. And yep. inside the bag is a uh, is a literary masterpiece, which I read uh, over the last week. Okay. And uh, it is. Oh, there it is. Uh, oh, you picked up the masterpiece from, from Liz. That's I great. Yep. You got it. I will tell you something, Mike. We got rave reviews over that show. Well, you know, yeah. and, and I, I, I give the book... If, for those who didn't read it, if if my hoo ha could talk by your friend Lisa, who goes by the, the nom de plume of Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yes. Yes, and Elizabeth, yes. I like the fact that it ends in a bet. Well, that's true. That'd be good for you. There's <laughs> and no I, question and, about I, and that. I'll say this: I think that everybody should read this book when they go through adolescence. I say start early with this book. Yeah. And um, but it's well written, declaratively, very assertively, and I'm serious. I I wish I had read this book. She's of course she's talking about what basically about, about what men need to know about women. Yes. And uh, I you know I, if I had read that book when I was an adolescent, I mean my whole life might have been different. Of course, I, I well, should add that I, I went through adolescence at forty. Yeah, you should probably mention that, no question. See, what I love about that whole situation, Lisa and all of it, but, you know, she's Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. and she's married to a nice Jewish boy named Dick Ornstein, just mm-hmm. a great guy. So, I mean, they're, I've known them for, I guess, about five, six years now, something like that. Yeah. No nicer people. Very, very smart people. Yeah. There's no question. Well, I can tell it. by the book. I mean, she's she really is an excellent writer. She, I agree. I, like I said, she got rave reviews from across the country on it. So yeah, yeah, because that's one thing about podcasting is people, yeah, who have moved out of the area listen to podcasts now from the old hometown. And mm. but yeah, people just raved about that interview. The, you were a, a shining light, and you know, so was she. That's the way it is, right? Uh, that light, you know, I can never get a tan, but that light shines on. No, she, oh. she, um, she really, uh, she's got a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. About it, and uh, and and I, you know, I can see where though that it would be very informative for a lot of people, both both men and women. I'd add. Yeah, that's probably true. No question about it. We should mention for people who didn't see the show that she is an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. We should mention that. But um, so, what did you read the entire book, or did you just yeah. buy it? Or yeah. you did read it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's only it it's not a it's only about a hundred pages, so. Yeah, right. It's not very long. No. So for people with short attention spans, although it is, as I say, it's it's informative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she talks about uh, she, you know, um, let's put it this way. Um, she she talks about things that that first of all, things that are very informative. Some of the stuff I found like, I don't know, I, I wasn't quite sure about like she talks about the G spot. Which I've, which I'm pretty sure is a myth, right? Mm, that's what I understand. That's what I've been told, anyway. Yeah, yeah. 
And then she, but she talks about, you know, it's a, it's a frank book about having sex. And, um, you know, it's, it's, she talks about, of course, the, the, the you know, well, I, the thing I've always, thing I learned when I was an adolescent was that there are actually three positions in which people can have sex, mm-hmm. which was, you know, which was new to me. There's male superior, female superior, and then the mythical third position. Mythical. Right. Uh. Yeah. yeah. How do you figure that one out? How I do don't get... know. I'm still trying to figure that one out. So <laughs> I didn't yeah, know much. No I mean, none of us knew much when we were adolescents, obviously. And then God, when, no. when we got a little older, we started to know less before we eventually knew more. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. You know what's amazing about that? We just, Catherine and I were just kind of talking about that last night. There's this big push now to, to educate very small children about, the, you know, sexual orientation and this and that and the other thing. And, uh, you know, my children are in their 30s now, so I guess it's really none of my business. But I just, I was 11 years old, mm-hmm. 11. I was not five or six like they're talking about with these kids. And I think the only, you do what you do. It's your child. It's none of my business. I understand that and all the rest of it. But I don't really understand why you would want to talk about sex to a five-year-old. I don't get that. Yeah. It feels like a conversation that you shouldn't necessarily be seeking out Mm -hmm. to have right away. Like if your kid brings it up once, you maybe make a joke and brush it off and maybe they'll forget about it and they'll go back to playing with their toys. And then once they're old enough to actually communicate that they want to have a serious conversation, then go about it. But yeah, yeah, to- I could see that. I, I, we talked. Catherine and I talked about it last night, and it was very true because it, I don't know, it came up on the news or something like that. And again, you do what you, it's your family. You do what you do. It's none of my business and whatever. I, I, it's not, it's not what I would do, but you do what you do, right? Eleven years old, sitting on this brick uh, 
it's kind of brick wall front of this friend of mine's house and I'm sitting there because I was told that very day at 11 years old and I suppose I should mention I went to Catholic school so there was not a lot of talking about sex at the Catholic school that wasn't one of the big topics <laughs> but so I asked about that and they said well, you ever seen a naked woman I said no I've never seen a naked woman they said well it's kind of interesting I said well like what's the big difference they said well women have a bigger hole I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm sitting there on this fence or brick wall, and I'm trying to picture a woman with a penis that had a bigger hole at the end of it. Hmm. I mean, that's what sex Sounds was. uncomfortable. It's not like it'd be very yeah. uncomfortable. But that's how little I knew about it. I, I just, yeah. and again, like I said, today is a different day. It's none of my business. I'm not trying to tell people what to do and all the rest of it. Uh, but I don't think it hurt me not to know about that kind of stuff until I was 11 or 12 years old, right? Of course, we didn't have the Internet then. That's the huge problem, isn't it? The Internet is a huge problem there because you can find whatever you want on that screen right in front of you. Yeah. And, and the most important thing, I think, is to – and this is just me, the liberal talking, but is to teach kids tolerance about these things. It's not about the mechanics. Correct. You know, we, we, I understand. We that. saw what happened in Tulsa a couple of days ago when this this non-binary kid got, apparently got beaten to death. You got beaten to death? Yeah, it was in Owasi, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Tulsa. Which is where you lived. Well, my, my dad your, grew your up dad in Tulsa. Did. Yeah, your yeah. I, thank God I never lived there. And it, is that oh, actually right. living that's right. anyway? But, um, but yeah, it, you know, it's... it's Owasi is not like a, it's not like a little oil patch town or anything. It's a it's a suburb, mm -hmm. and uh, but this kid, who was who identified as non-binary, uh, got you know apparently the kid was bullied and bullied and bullied and finally someone just I guess beat the crap out of him and he died. He beat him to death. Mm -hmm. And how old is this kid? I think he was about sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Sixteen. Mm-hmm. And what their argument was that you, like he said, he described himself as non-binary. Did they understand what that meant? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they had a pretty good idea. Oh, they did. I, see, I've never understood that. In that, you know, I grew up to be who I was and all the rest of it, and blah blah blah. Uh, why would I even argue with someone about how you grew up and what thoughts passed through your head? How the hell would I know? Mm anything about that well i mean i think in in some situations this is probably one of them a kid just learned intolerance at home and so he figured it was okay <clears throat> you think that's what it was that the, the family was i think i think kids who are highly intolerant typically pick that up at home yeah yeah probably oh you're talking about the kid who beat him to death yeah. Not, not the kid himself. I see what you mean. Right. I didn't understand what you're saying. Yeah. There, but you're talking about. And that's another thing. When I was 16 years old, I had no desire to beat someone to death either. <laughs> no. No. I then by that from 11 to 16 is when I picked up that attraction to girls. Well, what I, what I figured out, especially coaching, was that the, the kids who were bullies almost always had been bullied at home. I bet you that's true. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I know that's true, as a matter of fact, because I used to witness that. There was a guy in our neighborhood that when he punished his children, he took them outside to beat the shit out of them in front of all the neighbors. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Everybody has to know that I'm kicking your ass. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there was a kid I would that I went to high school with. I wouldn't necessarily say he was a huge bully, but he wasn't the nicest kid. And mm-hmm. it came out, yeah, later that, yeah, he was getting thrown around at his house a little bit. And so it was, okay, okay I'm going to go now bully kids that I'm at school with because I got to feel powerful. So in other words, I should be grateful that my dad abandoned the family. Exactly. Right. Look how lucky I Better got. than the alternative. Better than the alternative of having the piss beat out of me and then not me turning that on someone else to beat the piss out of them. Yeah, that was not a big part of the whole deal, but I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, it's just so amazing to me as I watch my life moving forward into different eras and uh, all the rest of it. I, I just... Man, people, are people getting this anger anger just from watching the news? Are they being talked into being angry every single day? I I I don't think it's the news. I just think it's their their, their immediate environment. Like how? Well, I mean, their parents, that may be true of their parents. Yeah, yeah. But for the kids, I think they're, again, I think the kids are getting it at home from actual, you know, real live people. So what you're saying is I, I got very lucky that my father abandoned the family. That's what you're saying? It could have been worse. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> you're right about that. What was interesting about that is, that, you know, like my older brother Terry went in the Marine Corps when he was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So he never lived with us again after he was 18. And he's nine years. So I was nine when he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, then my dad was hauled off, uh, you know, to the nut house and all the rest of that stuff. So when you look at that, now, I should be very angry about that, I suppose. Why, God, why did you do this to me and my family? But instead, I look at it as a, you know, actually, I'm kind of lucky. Because what if he stuck around the house and killed all, all of us? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you get people where they have come up with, um, or they come up in hard situations, and then they mm-hmm. go, well, it's either going to break me, and I can continue to, you know, that cycle of having a broken family or you know what I can be the example for my kids and make sure that I'm here not going to abandon them so yeah you can kind of go two different roads sometimes when it comes to trauma that you experience as a kid yeah I, there's no question and I did I mean there's no question about it not not I saw other families in my neighborhood it was a hell of a lot worse for them I can promise you that like I said the one guy used to drag his kids in the street to beat the piss out of him so he could he could just humiliate his mm-hmm. children. Yeah. In, in my family if if my if my parents wanted to humiliate me they would take me outside and argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that once. You arguing with your parents it was unbelievable. But what the hell? Now I, I just I'm trying to figure out and I and I do it every night and I'm asking all three of you and all the listeners I just, every time you turn on the news, everybody's pissed off and they hate this and they hate that. No, no, we hate the other side. It's like, wasn't the whole idea to have two different parties to offer balance, not two sides of hatred? I mean, that's why we have two parties for a little balance, right? Apparently not. Well, the, the whole idea, of course, was that you had two parties and that depending on, of course, you know, what state they were in, what district they were in, they would, they would move toward the center at some point. That's correct. But if there's no center, they don't have anywhere to move to. Why isn't there a center? Because, uh, well, again, we've talked about this. It's about gerrymandering. It's about money. It's money. It's the yep. fact that, that, you know, love is a wonderful thing, but it's hatred that really 
moves the voters. Isn't that amazing? You have to be angry and want to beat somebody up in order to get behind your, your person. Yeah, in a lot of cases. I just, you know, i got to be honest with you. I'm looking at this thing right now. Uh, you got a couple guys running for president of the United States. Would I just jump all over one and go, oh, this is the guy and blah, blah, blah. And I know I'm a centrist. I understand. I've been a Democrat. I've been a Republican. But now I look at whomever we end up with, is, I, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get angry about it because I have my vote is not going to change the election. Right. Probably yep. not. I, I would say uh, you know, to, if you want to change an election, you got to have money. The hell with your vote. Yeah, that's exactly right, too. And then you got to be but, able, of course, to lie afterwards. What's so amazing to me is you got a couple of guys who are very, very wealthy, and that's who you got now. That's what it is. Is that all the very wealthy well, people get to run the show? One of, them, one of them claims to be worth eight billion. Yeah. So we've one? never had anything like that before. I don't think we've had no. rich presidents, of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, and a lot of them were, in retrospect, seem to be very good presidents. I mean, look at uh, say, say uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Now, that guy yep. was really wealthy. He was very, very wealthy, and he liked to go walking around in South Dakota, <laughs> which I kind of like. And, and that he, works for me. Yeah, he, he loved the wilderness. If it wasn't mm-hmm. for him, we wouldn't have Yellowstone Park. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, the national park system. Yeah. Do you think system. he was maybe the best president ever? He's, got, he's up there. Yeah, he's... I would think so. I mean, he did a lot of good things, that and... A lot of things that last that, that still last today, although they're all in trouble now. All oh, the park systems are well, yeah, because there's a movement basically to give all the parks to the wealthiest people in the country. But Why there has but that? there has been that for a long time. Why we do would we do that? Well, a bunch of rich guys helping other rich guys. You know, yeah, you can go ahead and just mine the hell out of that park. Oh, oh, you found lithium. Go ahead, destroy the mountain. <laughs> Because there's lithium there. <laughs> That's the whole deal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. You're absolutely right about that. But, you know, FDR was a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Yes, he was, he was too. Yeah. He was a very wealthy guy. Yeah. I don't know. I, was, I wasn't around then, but I don't know if I would have cared for him too much. But well, I've got to be honest yeah. with you. If you're president, you're probably not my kind of guy anyway. <laughs> well. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's the climate is different today. Is it? Oh yeah, well of course it is because because of, of all the things we have now that we didn't have them like unlimited spending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We that yeah. it didn't used to be that way. Yeah, you know, I was talking to a guy who knows all about this. And matter of fact, I want to talk to Josh Arnold about it tomorrow on his 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 appearance. Is that everything now? And I mean every single thing in the world now is about investment. That if people are counting on living on their earnings from their job, mm. you aren't going to make it. Yeah. And if you're going to have enough money, you're going to have to invest your money. Yeah. I mean, that's I haven't asked him about that yet, and I, I'm be fascinated to hear what his take is on it. But several people have told me the only way you're going to make enough money to live is if you invest your money. Do you, well, you guys yeah. believe that? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Because there's only so many yeah. hours in a day yep. that you can work, and there's only so much energy you have that you can expend on trying to make money. So if you can mm-hmm. you know, lay your head on a pillow and have an investment gain some capital and increase in value, that's going to help you out a lot better long term than you know trying to 
kill yourself going to work every day? Well, my dad uh, believed in investment. Uh, mm-hmm. He uh, he was getting, I think, what was it, like one-tenth of one percent return on his investments. There you go. Yeah. The big dough. So, I mean, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he, he, he literally did not believe in investing. No, I'm sure. But now, but it's a completely different world now, though. I mean, it if he had, is. you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be bothering with you guys. You'd just be a... Down at the uh, uh, the Isle of Capri, that's hanging it. Out. I'd have my own island. You would have, you would have the Gelfand Island. Now we're talking. Well, ab- absolutely. I mean, I am a rock. I am an island. Oh God, get away from me just for that, <laughs> just for doing. That. But no, I, I, I after that point was brought up on television, I asked a bunch of different people, mm-hmm. and they said for the average person to have any substantial income whatsoever you cannot just depend on your job anymore yeah. you just things are way too expensive well somebody who was it they're talking about now paying employees they they demand their employees their employees demanded excuse me that they be paid fifty dollars an hour mm-hmm. oh yeah what was that yeah, it was just on the news a couple nights ago. no it was uh, someone mentioned it to oh no i know what it was what? i can't say what it was oh you can't it was uh terry Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, it was during a, it was an investment meeting that we oh that wasn't shouldn't investment. talk about on the air. No, I'm I'm sure that's true. But, but yeah, he said that yeah there was somewhere that yeah there were uh, fifty dollars demanding an hour. a fifty dollar an hour minimum wage, which is uh, it's a lot of money. Well, two thousand bucks a week, it's only ten thousand four hundred dollars. I mean, excuse me, one hundred and four thousand dollars a year. Right. Yeah, that's uh, you know, <laughs> depending on what, good. depending on what business that is, that and like the employees that are demanding fifty dollars an hour, I'm guessing then in order to sustain that as the employer, now you have to charge more for whatever goods or services Correct. you're making, and so then it all just washes out eventually anyway. It's not going to work. You're no. absolutely, Tevin. You're you're absolutely right about that. It will not work because there's no end to it, mm-hmm. and especially now with. You know, AI and advancements in technology. Oh, you want $50 an hour? I'm just going to figure out a way to make your job obsolete and save myself yeah. some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I brought up on the on the morning show today that uh, Andy and Melissa and Ethan, Catherine, and I went out to dinner. So four adults and one child. I think there were like two two glasses of wine amongst the whole four adults. Is that about right? Uh, mom had a glass. Did anybody else have a glass of wine? It would have just been mom. So it was just one glass of wine. Mm -hmm. One glass of wine and dinner uh, for four adults and a child was over $300. Well, obviously you need to do something about your wife's drinking problem. (laughs) (laughs) Catherine the booze hound having that one glass of wine. Did he say glass? He meant bottle. And I do... Yeah, that's right. (laughs) One or two bottles of (laughs) wine. I always reference this because it was the turning point in my life that my friend Robert J. took me out to dinner when I was 18 years old. We were both working at KSDP Radio, 1500 KSDP. Uh, He went to the bathroom, and while he was gone, the bill came. He was going to pay the bill, Mm -hmm. and I was very happy. I flipped it over, and just the two of us, this would have been 1972, because I had just started at, at uh, 1500 KSTP, and I saw the bill for both of us was $40. And I said, my God, if I could ever make enough money to pay $40 yeah. for dinner, man, how that's great would that be? That's the tip now. Yeah, that's a very low tip. Yeah, really. yeah, very could be, yeah, very well could be. I found uh, the $50 thing, courtesy of Mike from Blaine. 
Oh, good. It was uh, Senator Barbara or Representative Barbara Lee in California. That everybody well, should get paid $50 If you're living in hour. San Francisco, you better make $50. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. You can't even park your car for that. You know what's sad? Catherine and I used to love to go to San Francisco. It was the first trip Andy ever went on as a baby. Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember it, of course, because he was newborn. I think it was only like three, four months old. But we uh, went to San Francisco, stayed at the Fairmont to go ah. to a Twins-Oakland game. And they washed your coins there too, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it was this magnificent, wonderful city, just beautiful architecture and all the rest of it. And now look at it. It's a complete, I've not been there in years, but I heard it's a complete and utter disaster. The whole city. Well, I mean, it always depends where you live. Yeah, but I mean, why do you got to mess with that? Yeah. Although that trip, that was the same trip, so we're talking, what, 37 years ago, right? Uh, 37 years would be before I was born. So, oh, so it was Or like just as I was born. 36 years ago then. Yeah. Because it was just after you were born, I know that. But, I mean, so you look at 36 years ago, and, you know, the city's, we're walking along, we're pushing a stroller, Andy's in the stroller, Kath and I are walking along, and this convertible comes around a corner, there's an older guy driving it, and there's a young guy leaning his head on the older guy's shoulder, and as they drove by, they were in a convertible, the young guy looked at Catherine and me and Andy and said, effing breeders. <laughs> Should have said we found this child. Yeah, we found this child. This is not our child. We just found him in the streets. And, <laughs> but see, let me think about that. So that was 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, San Francisco's been home to weirdos for a very well, long time. Well, that's true. A lot of nut jobs. Well, it's it's the home. Uh, you know, I mean, it's the home for everybody. Yeah. I loved San Francisco back in the day. I just absolutely, I guess the the homeless problem there is way out of line now. Yeah, well, way over the yeah, top. Yeah, it's and of course it's getting that way in a lot of places because it is. whether whether we like it or not, what's happening in California probably will be happening in a lot of other places. Not not oh, Kansas. Yes. Don't get me wrong, or some place mm-hmm. like Kansas City where you'd never have any violence in the. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That was very not very nice. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Did you see the why that whole thing happened? It was because one guy was looking at another guy, and they <laughs> yeah. were like, "What are you looking at? What are you yep. looking at? What are you yep. looking at?" Yeah. And then shots. Yeah. Out. And and here's Stupid. the really dangerous thing, the scary thing about this. I mean, that's scary enough. But the fact is, so you've got like uh, maybe a hundred thousand people in the streets, right? Mm-hmm. And so somebody hears a gunshot. So there's like 15 people who take out their guns. Right. That's exactly what happened. So how does that make you feel about being in crowds? I mean, if uh, if it can happen in Kansas City, which, by the way, is, of course, one of the most dangerous cities in the, in the country. But That's still, if, I mean, it does give you a, a little look into the future. You know, what's sad about that is I used to tra- travel when I was at Capitol Records. I used to travel to Kansas City all the time, stay at the Fairmont Hotel. Excuse me. It was the Raphael I stayed at. Mm-hmm. Just this beautiful city, some of the greatest. Well, first of all, Arthur Bryant's has the best. I knew you were going to get to Arthur Bryant's. <laughs> you got to get to Arthur Bryant's, baby. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But it was a wonderful place to be. Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas. You know, the whole layout. It was just a wonderful place to be. And, and now, where is that wonderful? Is there a city now that you go, oh, what a wonderful place this is? Well... 
I, I happen to like Palm Springs. Palm Springs is very, very nice. But I can't afford to, to go there very often. But uh, but if I could, that's where I'd go. I mean, I, I'd like to have a place there. Uh, on the other coast, there's Palm Beach. Sure. And I'd like to point out, <laughs> I mentioned this yesterday, I think, on the podcast as well. But uh, there is a lot for sale in Palm Beach. It's a lot. It's a very big lot. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But the lot is $200 million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I'd love to live in Palm Beach, but I would have to good luck. discover the philosopher's stone first. There was a there was a feel good story. You talk. We always talk about you know terrible, sad stories, but this was a feel good story about okay. um, about these this this group of maybe I don't know four or five you know multi like probably probably twenty. $20 million for starters, mansions yeah, sure. in, in Los Angeles. And the story was about the fact that they hadn't fallen off into the ocean. That their house hadn't fallen yeah. into the ocean? Yeah. They are falling in the ocean. Well, you this was know like, that. you know, hey, this is a, here's a story. <laughs> <laughs> here's some Our very house. rich people whose house hasn't fallen into the ocean. <laughs> and what's causing that? Just the erosion of the, the rainfall over the years or well, what is and the fault isn't it uh, the fault line or something? Oh, it's it's a fault yeah, line. I mean, you build your house on a cliff on a fault line. Yeah, it's like it's a bad decision. Not well, smart. this isn't caused so much by the fault line. It's caused by the fact that you've got these these incredible flooding, this incredible flooding going on there, which is unprecedented. From what rain? Yeah, well, they're there. What do they call them? What do they call the the rain there that's going on now? Or is there a name like for a, like a, Is it like a monsoon type of thing? No, it's 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 a. Uh, I just can't remember the term, but it's a term I've never heard before mm-hmm. for the kind of rivers that are forming there. I mean, you know, you know when the when the Los Angeles River is overflowing. Yeah. That's bad because the Los Angeles River is not a is not actually a river. It's, kind of I was, I, it's just basically a gutter. Yeah, it's it called is. an atmospheric river. Yeah, there you go, atmospheric <laughs> river. Yeah. Whatever the hell that means. I don't know what it means, but I know it's the future. Did you know that the man who designed that whole thing put gondolas on that creek? No. Using it. Yeah, they. There are all these bridges <laughs> that were over it. They're all gone now. I think. I think the bridges have all been torn out. And they probably dammed up so much of it that. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's not even any similarity but i guess he would take people up and down the on the the creek the wow. canal yeah uh, on his his gondola <laughs> how cool was that that must have been very cool back in the day to, to go through that i mean taking your date on a gondola ride in los angeles that must have been pretty special yeah nowadays you'd probably get carjacked probably probably end up dead or canal jacked uh, or something yeah something like that i have not looked at uh, deeply into the violence today but i i don't think there was not another multiple gunshot uh, death uh, story this morning that I saw. I don't know if you guys saw one or not, but I didn't see it. Oh, it's early. Well, that's true. It's very early in the day. They could kill many people. I still do not understand what gets in the human brain to the point where you're so angry you want to kill children and people who cannot possibly harm you. I don't get why. What is that? Well, intolerance is, uh, and hatred and um, a lot of access, of course, it's always a big thing. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think things, 
Why am I even asking this? But do you think things will ever get better, or is it only going to get worse and worse? I think it's not worth dwelling on. Probably true, because it'll just depress the hell out of you if you do I mean, what can you do about it? Yeah. I say instead of of worrying about that, join a bowling league. Oh, I should. You ever (laughs) see me bowl, though? I really suck at bowling. Well, I'll bet you you there's a lot of uh, acceleration to that ball, though. A lot of acceleration. That's I, I can true. see those eight pins just flying around. <laughs> Get her going. Yeah, what the, what's that? Pinstripes. You ever been to Pinstripes over there in Edina? No. Yes. It's a bowling alley over there. It's a great place, actually. It's a lot of fun. They have good food and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You can you can bowl. It's a really good time. But I just I have never been any good. I, you know, yeah. Hiders used to have it in North North Minneapolis, but I just I, I've never was any good at it. I one day I took my kids bowling, and uh, and I bowled. I think it was a two twenty eight, right? Oh, look it, at you! I believe there was something wrong with the alley. <laughs> but there was a, there was this guy are. next to me, and he had the brace, the wrist brace. Mm-hmm. And he had this beautiful sparkling ball, you know, monogram ball, and uh, and he just did everything right perfectly, you know. God. I'm picking up this 10-pound house ball. Okay, maybe it was 12 pounds, right? It's got chips in it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just kind of flinging it out there, and somehow I just kept getting strikes. This I thought this guy was going to jump me. Really? Because I was bowling better than he was, and he had obviously <laughs> devoted much of his life to bowling. You're just out there in your socks as he's got his shoes and oh, his yeah, bowling yeah. shirt on. I, yeah, there's nothing going on there. I, I had no. I mean, I I could, I could bowl. Or I I could put a little spin on the ball, and you know, like a 160 or so would have been a mm-hmm. good game for me. When you go to a restaurant, you expect the chef to be an expert. You expect your auto mechanic to be an expert when it comes to fixing your car. You judge them both by the results of their work. Josh Arnold is an expert in investments and planning your financial future. Josh Arnold is my expert, and he should be yours, too. I talk to Josh every week, and he understands the market and the economy, and he knows how to plan for your retirement. Don't put it off another day. The man with your plan is Josh Arnold. Call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll have an expert planning and managing your financial future. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC Security Investment Advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. Yeah, no, I was always the, I'm going to find the lightest ball that I can and just throw it as hard as I can straight down to see if I can <laughs> knock over all the pins. That's my ball. Well, yeah, and I and, and look, I I had to use a house ball. I, I, mean, I wasn't going to invest in a ball to no. go bowling twice a year. But the other thing was, it was always like the lightest ball in the place because it would be the only one my fingers would fit in. Because all right. the others, the holes would be too big. Mm-hmm. Too big, man. What was the name of the, it wasn't called Aqualane, was it? There was a there was a bowling alley. I think alley it was on uh, Washington and West Broadway. Yeah, just, I know, I know uh, what you're talking about. West. So it was Aqua Bowl, something was that what like it was that. Yeah. I remember going in there, and then all of a sudden, all the gangbangers decided they were going to hang out at oh, Aqua Bowl. Man. And Aqua Bowl's been closed now for about 45, 50 years. <laughs> I will tell you I'll, that. How about the uh, what's it called? The Starlight? Is that what it was called? In the hub of hell, 26 and 26, or 28th and 28th. Yeah. Is it the starlight? I think you're right. I think it was, yeah. 
that was a great Bowl. place. What I remember most about the place is how modern the technology was, and I'm not talking about the automatic, you know, pin set or right. or, any, or the or anything like that. The automatic scoring. I'm talking about the fact that they had a pong machine. A pong. We had never wow. seen anything like it. We wow. all we were all we were all like in high school, and we declared this to be the ultimate in console entertainment. We didn't believe anything would ever top that. Mm-mm. Sure. You know how the ball day, would travel at a speed? Yeah. They introduced something you thought you'd never see. Pong with color. <laughs> yes. Ah, there you go. Well, that ball would travel like about, I don't know, two miles an hour maybe? Mm-hmm. S- scale miles per hour is more impressive. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's no true. No question about yeah. it. Uh, do people still bowl? I have not been to a bowling alley oh, in hell yeah. years oh, now. I don't oh, think it's yeah. like it used to be, but yeah, it's still a thing for sure. Uh, Is it? I was talking to a guy the other day that was telling me about how he's trying to become a professional bowler because apparently it's not necessarily the hardest thing to do. You have to average a certain number of scores oh, in these okay. tournaments. And so he's like, yeah, I'm you know, in the process of trying to become a professional bowler. And I was like, well, that uh, in today's world doesn't sound like the smartest thing, I guess, to do with your time, but <laughs> teach his own. Have fun. Was the TV... You gotta say it was one of the funniest movies ever, though, wasn't it? Kingpin. Oh, oh Kingpin, yeah. That was a great movie. <laughs> Remember when they went in and ordered dinner, and Woody Harrelson made a comment, the smart-ass comment to the server, and she said, "I said handsome, not handless." <laughs> <laughs> remember that scene. And remember uh, the funniest line in the movie, I think, was. For me, the funniest line was he's 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 living like in a boarding house, right? Mm-hmm. He's got nothing. He's living in a boarding house, and so he's leaving the place. And there, there on the porch, there's this guy, probably about ninety years old, right? This guy with a very sour look on his face. And Woody Harrelson says, "Hey, how's how's life, Mister Wilson?" And the guy says, "It's taken forever." Taken way too effing long. <laughs> That's exactly. It's, one, it's at the very beginning of the movie, right? Is it? I don't remember that. I just remember. I think so. I thought that was. How do you top that one? <laughs> That's a great reference. There's no question about it. But so they, people do still go. Like I said, we go to Pinstripes in Edina, and that's mm-hmm. that place is always very, very busy. Mm-hmm. So it's still a, a preferred uh, method of being entertained on the weekends. Well, I mean, there's a lot of bowling alleys around, and I mean, of course, you don't really know what bowling's all about until you visited Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Bowling capital of the Midwest. Oh, I did not know that. How did that come about? Hmm. Um, I I don't know. It's be it'd be interesting to find out. I'm sure a lot of those bowling alleys have closed. But we do have our Wisconsin expert here. Maybe he can tell us. Oh, that's yeah, a, that's, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure because I didn't even know Wauwatosa was a place that existed in Wisconsin. <laughs> it's like the bottom right hand of Wisconsin, like in the corner. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, by Chicago. But uh, uh, it's got to be yeah, pretty close. Yeah, there. Wauwatosa, apparently there's, uh, you know, articles on the 10 best bowling alleys in Wauwatosa. So I think any town Ooh. that has yes. a 10 bowling alleys, <laughs> that says a lot. Because <laughs> I don't even know if there's 10 bowling alleys here in Minneapolis. But, uh, yeah, good for Wauwatosa. Yeah. The bowling capital of the world. And they do, it looks like they've got some that do like those uh, midnight bowling where everything's neon. That's oh, a, a huge yeah. trend that everybody loves to do. But bowling, I would say, is still, yeah, a good, a good time no matter how old you are. 
get some of that classic bowling alley pizza and call it a day. Yeah, see, that, that's, that's the problem with those of us who have to use the house ball. Yeah, there you go. Yep. It is a huge problem. Yeah, they, we share that ball with people who have just digested a couple cheeseburgers. Uh-huh. Yep. I had the great thrill of about, oh, I don't know, about every other month I'd go uh, at a, to a bowling alley. I had a friend named Lyle Johnson. Lyle's about 6'5", probably weighed about 280. Huge guy. And I mean huge. And his aim... His goal, bowling, mm-hmm. was to throw the ball so hard that when it hit the pins, they would come out into the lane. Oh, that yeah, I've seen that. I've, of course, You've never seen, done that. but I haven't either. <laughs> he would do that, and they would get so pissed off at him about that. He goes, I'm just trying to play bowling here. I'm just trying to bowl. He said, you're doing it on purpose. He goes, doing what? <laughs> But they would literally, after every time he threw the, threw, rolled the ball down there, they'd have to go down, shut it off, go out and get <laughs> sure. the pins, put them back. <laughs> hey, you know what that's called, right? <laughs> what? It's mix. He's getting mix. mix. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm? That's the no only bowling term, term I know, but. So, yeah, that, that went over my head. And I guess we do have to apologize to the good people of Detroit because that is more worldly renowned as the bowling capital of the world. Uh, mm. Really? And yep, since 1941 and they have something called the Thunder Bowl, which Ooh. is the one of the largest bowling alleys in the country, having a total of 90 lanes. Whoa. So, Detroit. Holy oh. Hannah. Well, all That's those be the size all of the, the Metrodome. All those guys working in the assembly line, you can see where that would be like their first choice for just, you know, kind of Having a nice, relaxing evening, right? Yeah. Bowling is definitely a very blue-collar thing to do. Yeah. I will tell you what I loved about it the most, and all the lanes in in North Minneapolis all had it, but you not only had bowling and some pretty decent food, not great, but decent food, but you also had your choice of about 15 pinball machines to bowl. Oh, tell me about it. That's how I learned to play pinball was in a bowling alley. There you, me too. Absolutely. Well, and Playland downtown. Oh, Playland. Loved it. Used to, used to uh, when I was in high school, I had to transfer the bus downtown. And uh, so I'd, 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 you know, get on the bus on University Avenue, go downtown, maybe downtown like about 3.15, and then I would transfer to the bus home at about 5.15. Sure. It was all about Playland. All about Playland, baby. I got thrown out of there one time. Really? How did you get because thrown you had, out of Playland? You had to be a certain age to do certain things in there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the hell it was. But the guy comes over and he goes, are you 18 years old? And I said, yeah, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, uh, let me see your draft card. Because there was a draft card. Oh, back okay. And sure. You were issued a draft card. Mm-hmm. Said, let me see your draft card. And as a joke, I said, I burned it. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. was out that door in about a half a second. I will tell you that. He did not see yeah. the humor in that at all. So did you head down to rifle sport? Rifles. I loved rifle I sport. I did too. God, the great memories we're having here. Hennepin Avenue, man. Yep. Hennepin Avenue used to be this. Somebody just sent me, as a matter of fact, a picture of uh, downtown Minneapolis from like 1955. Mm. That place was packed with businesses, one oh. business on top of the other, and it was, God, when, it was wonderful. When my uh, my grandparents would, would from Tulsa would visit us about every five years, because my mother wouldn't let them in town any more than that. 
She just <laughs> that was some, your father's family now, right? Yeah, yeah. My, okay. My well, mother, my mother, and her mother-in-law, my grandma Sadie. They did not. I don't want to say they hated each other. I would just say they experienced a lot of contempt for each other. There and, you go, contempt. That's yeah, good. yeah. And uh, so they'd they'd come and we'd. Now my my other grandmother, of course, I, I mentioned this to you. I know I worked downtown at the National Beauty Supply at Sixth and Hennepin. Oh sure. So my my my, uh, my grandmother and grandfather from Tulsa and my family would go downtown. And we we're going to have dinner, and then we'd we'd pick up my. Uh, it doesn't sound right, does it? Anyway, we my grandmother would from from Minneapolis would join us, and my father would always say it to my to his father who had a, a significant Russian accent. He'd say, "Well, Dad, uh, where would you like to eat tonight?" And uh, you can probably guess what his answer was, Tom. And you're on. Fifth, sixth in Hennepin. Yes, and he was a Jew from uh, who who was grew up in Russia, but the Russia mm-hmm. part's irrelevant. So it wasn't the copper squirrel. And that was afterwards. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was after, <laughs> that was after lunch. No, what, what he his answer would always be, oh, why don't we eat at the Chinaman? The Chinaman, absolutely. Well, the Chinaman, also known as the Nankin. Yes. <laughs> um, was one of the best. It was owned by Jews. The Gold family owned mm-hmm. it. Yes. Some of the best Chinese food I've ever had in my entire life. Well, you know, I will never forget that place. It was wonderful. You know, uh, the the family that had a big part of it was the mm-hmm. Golden family. Now, the Golden family, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Golden, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and uh, so, you know, my uh, my friend, you know him. You know him quite well, Dick Golden. Yep. It was his... His, I believe, I believe his his um, uncle owned the Nankin, and then but his father owned the uh, Golden. Um, what did they call it? The Golden. Um, it was a scrapyard, at any rate. Oh, over on Washington. No, it was the one right off Highway Seven, by the creosote plant. So, oh, there you go. Okay, I know. So you could about. get cancer just walking onto the grounds of the of the place. Wasn't that right by the little baseball field? Yeah, not far away. Yeah. Not far away. Yes, yep, right, pretty much, yeah. God, those are some great memories, but, Mr. Gelfand. The, the great thing about my grandfather, though, was that he, he, he grew up in Russia. Well, he moved when he was about 16. So he he comes to Minneapolis. He's downtown. Let's eat at the Nankin. It's, it's just in the blood, Tom. I know. It got, it was, I miss that so much. I can't even tell you. It was the best Chinese food I've ever had. Yeah. It was. It was wonderful. And the great, great thing about being there on a like a Friday night or Saturday night was that, uh, contrary to what you sometimes see today, the blacks and the Jews got along. Oh God, absolutely. Because they were the most. They were the customers mainly. Yeah. No, that's right. All right, that's going to do it for another week, Mr. Gelfand, delivering the info. I. Why do you every? You know that every Thursday you leave your name up as AJ. Damn it! I did it again. Whatever. <laughs> so oh. when people tune in and go, I thought AJ was the other guy. Yep, this is black oh, AJ. I thought it stood. For, <laughs> I thought it stood for amazing Jew. Amazing Jew. Yeah, we can oh, flip that with Gelfan. Mm-hmm. That'd be wonderful. All right, that's going to do it. We will talk to you tomorrow. 